and welcome to Stride and Saunter, episode 132. I'm Kip Clark, and joining me in the studio, we have another guest, Anna Gomez. Hi! And today, we're going to be discussing the phrase, I love you. At least in its English implications, of course, there's a lot to discuss about the associations we have with romantic or sexual or platonic love, but we are going to be focusing on the linguistic aspects of that phrase, some of its cultural meanings, and also personal experiences and associations we might have. But to begin, one thing I was thinking just before recording that I had mentioned to you is that the phrase is very intricately tied to human preferences regarding complexity and simplicity, as well as vulnerability. In terms of the former, people, I would argue, as I've said many times before on this podcast, prefer simplicity. It's easier to deal with, it's easier to compartmentalize, and it makes communication far more fluid. And the phrase I love you both bears a lot of complex feelings of trust, connection, intimacy, etc., but is so brief and so ubiquitous that we use it or can use it in a variety of scenarios. Now regarding vulnerability, which I think is far more debatable, I think that saying I love you takes the focus momentarily off of the speaker and places it on the receiver. How are you going to respond to the rather emotionally loaded thing that I have just said? And because it is so broad in its function, I don't necessarily have to be more precise than that. In most situations, I don't think people ask what that means. They take it and feel a social compulsion to respond to it. But what do you think about I love you as it relates to simplicity and vulnerability. Do you think there's more to it? Do you disagree, perhaps? I think that's a great question. What you were saying about saying I love you takes some of the vulnerability off of you, or it can in certain circumstances. I think that's very true, especially because I love you is so universal in the English language. Like within the English language, it's such a common phrase to express romantic emotion that A lot of times I think people rely on it to say things that they're less comfortable saying. Like you've been dating someone for a while and you feel very close to them. Rather than listing all the things you love about them or admire in them or things that you respond to yourself in them, it's easy to just say like, oh, I love you. Rather than put yourself even more out there and say like, I love these things about you or I love the way you do this. I think it takes a lot of pressure off of the person that's saying it and then puts a lot more pressure on the person that's hearing it because there's such a stigma of someone saying, I love you, and then you not saying it back. I agree. There's absolutely a stigma. And when you brought up the function of I love you as a stand-in for more complicated statements, I was reminded of one listener who wrote in and mentioned that the ancient Greeks had four words to describe what we refer to as love, those being storge, philia, eros, and agape. And if there are Greek speakers who can correct my pronunciation, please do. And respectively, storge means a natural empathetic affection, as in the comfortable reverence for a country, club, or a family. Philia refers to friendship and mutual respect between equals. Eros conveys sexual love and attraction, but not necessarily in the form of lust. Plato famously used eros when describing his philosophic pursuits. Agape, this listener's favorite, is unconditional, unchanging adoration. In his view, this is the purest and highest form of love and reflects God's love for man and what God desires in return. 
And I'm really intrigued by this idea because I do think language has the risk of simplifying far more complex ideas. And perhaps that's the function of language itself to try and condense our very complicated world into syllabic expressions. Does one of those four Greek definitions stand out to you as our most frequent meaning when we say I love you in English? Yeah, definitely. There are two that stand out to me the most. Eros is the sexual love or the romantic love. And then agape is the more familial love. I think those two are the ones where I love you is much more commonly used. There's definitely I love you among friends, but I would say that's used less than parent and child or lover and lover. There's still such distinction between those versions of I love you that I wish there were these two distinctions in our lexicon because I always use I love you to talk to my mother, to talk to my boyfriend, to talk to my siblings. So the foundation of that difference comes in the unconditionalness of it. I'm never going to doubt that my mom loves me or that my siblings love me. And I would hope that my mother or my siblings never doubt that of me. But there's such a different element with romantic partners because for some reason, not a given. And I suppose marriage is that given. But even so, with divorce rates being what they are, it just doesn't seem like a given to me. So I think those are the two that stand out the most to me as having vastly different definitions. And I'm glad you give examples of familial expressions of I love you because I come from a family where it is more implied through action and general understanding than it is through direct verbal expression, which I've always found interesting because I've learned about myself that I very much need verbal affirmation of certain things. I think linguistically, I code my world in linguistics, and so I do enjoy and appreciate hearing it. But I also recognize, especially from my improv and acting days, it is more powerful to show something than say it. And I would condense all of that to say that a combination of both, I feel, can have a very strong influence on other people's understandings because it is, I believe, largely a phrase meant to carry strong, positive intent. But that said, there are darker situations where people use it in a manipulative or misleading way which has often troubled me. There have been people in my life who have used that phrase to get favors from me or to encourage me to treat them in a certain way because it was a bartering tool of sorts, which I find very troubling. And I would be curious to hear if you've had similar experiences, but it is interesting that certain people don't always express it. And I know that certain conservatives in my life have expressed disdain for certain trends in our society, one of which being that people are more touchy-feely, offer more verbal displays of affection, and they say, back in my day, we didn't need to say it, it was just understood. And I find that perspective very interesting. I don't think one is necessarily better than the other, but I think in any of these examples, it is very evident that many of us have very different experiences. Because the phrase is so widely used, it can be appropriated in different contexts. And so that's why I think it's worthy of discussion, because you and I probably have vastly different experiences regarding this phrase. Yeah, for sure we do. You are saying you come from a family that doesn't say I love you as much as they show it. And I would say my family's very verbal about saying I love you, but they're also extremely emotive in their actions. When I was growing up, my parents would always say, if I'm going to sleep or I don't know, usually when they were tucking me in, they'd say, do you know how much we love you? And I'd be like, of course, I know how much you love me. Like it was such a given. I realized as I grew up that that's just not a given for so many people. And I really cherished that my parents said that to me. And I grew up in such a nurturing home. 
But I do think it has to be both actions and verbal affirmations because for them to say I love you and then not show that love would be really detrimental. So it's got to be a balance. And in the same way, when you were saying people have used I love you as almost a bartering tactic, I think you could see that absolutely in abusive relationships too, like romantic relationships or even parent-child, but saying I love you and then not following through or saying I love you as more of a forgiveness tactic as well. So it's like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so abusive, but you know I love you. And despite the gravity of those circumstances of abusive relationships, I think we've culturally internalized the significance of I love you, whether or not it was significant in the first place. For example, in the media, I've seen various shows and movies that emphasize not only romantic pursuits, but the first time that a partner will tell another, I love you, and what it signifies, to the point that it's almost become laughable, because it can stand in for so many different emotions. And I'd be very curious, especially from a female perspective, if you think gender has a relationship to that phrase, when it might be said, how it is said, and also how it is received. In response to the media's role in the phrase, I love you, I don't know if I would gender it so much as I would say that the vast use of I love you in media and television movies makes it seem as though whenever you're in a romantic relationship, when you feel close to somebody to a certain degree, not yet determined, you say I love you. And I think that can lead to kind of what you were saying at the beginning. It aids in that lack of specificity or that decrease in vulnerability that can come from saying I love you because it's this blanketed phrase where you say it and then whoever's listening interprets the meaning. Because you can easily say, I love you. And then there's that person listening that's like, oh, well, they've gone out on a limb and said, I love you. Should I say it back without there being any real significance behind it? And maybe there is, but the phrase itself, I don't think lends itself to that specificity. I think there has to be more to it. In regards to gender, I've never noticed. I mean, personally, I've always been the person to say I love you first. So I guess in my case, it's female heavy. But I've had male friends that have said it first and female friends. I've never noticed a distinction one way or another on who says I love you first or who is less willing to say I love you. I'm actually intrigued by that. I feel like our culture has so many different value sets that often are gender-based or implied gender bases that it is curious to me when I notice that there isn't necessarily a distinction. And honestly, that's the type of world I'd like to live in where men and women and people who don't identify in that binary don't bear any distinction in the way they speak or the types of affection and respect shown to them. And with regard to respect, I think the phrase I love you can tie very much into how unconditional or conditional love is shown. For example, moments when you might say, I don't really like this person right now, but I love them. And I would express my bias in saying, to me, love is an amplified and slightly altered version of liking someone. If you like them, you enjoy their company. If you love them, at least in my perception, my lexicon, and my form of linguistic categorization, you not only enjoy their presence, you value it on a profound level. It alters the time you spend with them in positive ways. You're left thinking about that person, feeling inspired by or drawn towards that person for various reasons. 
and where you might like someone for certain qualities, I would say you love someone because their qualities have imprinted on you in a way which can be both positive and negative. It isn't always healthy when certain traits are imprinted on you, but I do think love allows for a confluence of feelings. You can exchange experiences and ideas far more readily when you love someone, which is why I think it is such a sought-after emotion or sensation, and therefore why I think I love you as a phrase is so commonly used Although in certain pockets, communities, and families, there are examples in which it's rarely said. But what impressions do you have on the phrase's relationship to conditional and unconditional forms of love? So I think the unconditional and conditional distinction comes with that familial love or that romantic love. What you had mentioned about love coming as almost a progression from like, I think is absolutely true in romantic love or even in friendly love. You've got to meet someone. You've got to get to know them. There needs to be some initial attraction. And then the relationship grows and then you learn more and then you decide if that relationship to you is something that you love or that you like. But in the case of familial love, I would say the progression is opposite because when, say, a child is born, their parents love it, presumably, hopefully. And there is that unconditional love but they don't even know the kid yet enough to like them. So I'm not a parent and I can't speak to how it feels to mother a child and have that responsibility or that unconditional love. But I would imagine that it's that immediate feeling of love, of responsibility for this other human. But then comes the growing up of the kid and the development of his or her personality. Then you decide if you like them or I don't know if it's a, oh, they turned five and I don't like them. I think it's a little bit more complex, but I think the progression is immediate love, unconditional love, and then the understanding of someone else's personality. From my own life, I have three brothers and sisters and a mother, and I know in my family, their teenage years were always difficult. It put a lot of strains on the mother-child relationship, in my case for sure, but most especially in my little sister's case. And there were times when we would have conversations and she would say, God, mom like hates me. I know she hates me. And I'd be like, of course she doesn't hate you. Like she loves you. And my sister would sort of pause and say, oh, I know she loves me, but I really don't think she likes me right now. When I heard that, it was this moment of, oh, there's such a distinction. And oh, she's probably right because she's being a huge brat right now. And I can see how my mom would not like her. But there is always that baseline understanding like, okay, she loves me, at least in my family. And I would hope that that's how kids are feeling, or that's how they should be feeling, in my opinion. And at various points in this conversation, we've mentioned the fact that it is overused or very frequently used as a phrase. And I wonder to what extent families or groups that may not say it more frequently use it at very precise times with the intention of making a larger impact than using it on a very consistent basis. Do you think that type of moderation does change the impact of the phrase on a recipient? I'm not sure if that would change the impact of it. I would imagine so, but I've heard from friends of mine whose parents aren't as verbally affectionate that that does not affect them negatively, that they're never questioning their parents' love. Also, I have friends whose parents don't say I love you and they don't affirm it through their actions either. So I think it's that duality again of verbs and actions, excuse me, of words and actions. And I'm not sure if it means more when you say it less, if there are those actions there as well. I think it would be very clean if we could say it that way, but I don't know if that's true. 
Now, in contrast to what we had said earlier about the phrase removing vulnerability, one listener notes how her father often uses the royal we, and she will say, maybe over the phone, good night, dad, I love you, to which he might sign off, we love you. And I respect that point because I do think in many ways, I love you is such a powerful phrase because it can connect two people with one verb. And in that way, it is linguistically beautiful because of its universal understanding. I would imagine that many non-native English speakers might learn that phrase rather quickly when studying English, just like anyone learning another language might be curious about how to say that or similar phrases in those foreign languages. And that listener also notes that she feels more profoundly impacted, if I'm interpreting correctly, when her father says things like, I'm proud of you. And that's one of my contentions with I love you, is that it can be so vague. And also, when signing off on the phone, I think it can almost replace goodbye to the extent that it becomes a sign of courtesy rather than affection. And that's not to say that parents or children or anyone who says it is not being affectionate, but I think over time, it can take the role of a courteous saying. And I'd love to know what you think about what I might deem replacement sayings, such as I'm proud of you. Yeah, I really liked that listener's contribution. I thought that the story of her father saying, I'm proud of you, meaning so much more than just him saying, I love you or we love you, as he says, because it does have slightly more specificity. I wouldn't say that it has much more specificity than I love you, but it does lend itself to a certain time and a place rather than I love you can be anywhere, anytime. I'm proud of you. It implies so much previous knowledge of the person. You have to know them before you are proud of them. So I think it encompasses a little bit more in that way. I agree with you. And I think that was very well phrased. Yet another listener wrote, everyone deserves love. And I think it is our responsibility to express our love to the people around us. I think love is simpler than our culture often makes it seem. Sometimes the most profound gestures of love are small and unspoken. Love is about showing other people that they are seen, that they are heard, that there is space for them. Love is a habit we exercise. It becomes easier with practice. It's also about telling someone in no uncertain terms what they mean to you. And I think that was very interesting because it can be uncertain, at least as you and I have described it. But I really like what she said about the responsibility to express it because even if you don't use the phrase, I believe that a strong and healthy relationship requires communication, whether it's unspoken, verbal, maybe even visual in certain cases, letting other people know what their impact has been on you, and in certain cases, what you hope your impact on them is. And I think I love you can also capture that. You're saying, I currently feel and would like to show love for you. But I will also admit that I've said it in certain scenarios because I hoped to hear it back because I was uncertain of someone else's feelings for me, and in many ways, and I am ashamed to say this, it was a baiting tactic of sorts to receive love from someone else, because as that listener opens, everyone deserves love. And I would say we live in a world where many people do not get their daily dose of love, so to speak. Yeah, I would agree, Kip. I think that that is the beauty behind the phrase as well, as many problems as it does have. It is a small, very easy way to show someone how you feel and to make sure that someone is receiving those feelings, especially because it's very easy to assume that loved ones already know that you love them, that you're doing a good job of showing it. And maybe you are, but maybe you're not. Perceptions can be vastly different among people. 
And so it's always nice to hear it or to be reminded every now and then. And I think that's the power of the phrase, I love you. Along with the beauty of the phrase, there are so many different versions of saying that. So you can say, love ya, or even love you without the I. And in my opinion, they mean pretty different things, or they can be said in such different contexts. And I think I love you is so much more formal that it can sometimes scare people to say it, that love ya seems a little bit more casual. Do you have any thoughts on that, Kip? Absolutely. The first thing that comes to mind is that anecdotally, and I'm not saying in a representative sense, I have noticed more women or girls using phrases like that, or even the phrase I love you in a more colloquial, informal setting than I have men, which again is speaking in terms of a very strict gender binary. But I wonder if that says anything about how we are told to express emotions or perhaps certain predispositions about expressing love or any type of affection. But regardless of gender or other differentiating factors, to me, more casual phrases like that are very intriguing because on one hand, the argument could be made that they undermine how powerful love is. But at the same time, I would also say that they can reinforce the idea that love does not have to be this very dramatic thing to still be sincere. And I do believe however you express affection, however you express respect, The meaning comes from your tone, your body language, and the context in which you say it. And I would encourage listeners to think about surprising the people that you love with the phrase. There are certain moments, such as anniversaries or at the end of an amazing date, where you might be expected to say it to partners or to family. And as much as we have complicated the phrase, I think one might benefit from saying it in unexpected contexts. But as far as certain colloquial shortenings go... That's also the nature of language, to be fluid and to change over time. And while some might find it superficial or linguistically disrespectful to the traditional I love you, I suspect that many of the users of those phrases do not see a distinction. And so they may be expressing very genuine feelings. But I do think we apply the term love to a lot of things when we might mean various other things, as our first contributor had noted in his mention of the Greek terms for love. But before we close this episode, what are some things you would like the audience to think about with regard to this phrase after listening to our discussion? For me, the most fascinating part of the phrase is how it relates to different kinds of relationships. And I would encourage your listeners to think about who they're saying I love you to, when they're saying it, and why they're saying it, especially with regards to the relationship that they're in with the person who's receiving the phrase I love you. And I would encourage listeners to think about alternative ways of expressing similar feelings or, as I think you and I have both gotten at, more precise, perhaps more complex and nuanced language to express the multitude of feelings and types of affection that people feel for one another. And as I often ask for parents in the audience, I would really love to know what your relationship to this phrase is, given your children and also given your family and parents, perhaps. And in addition to our international listeners, I would always love to know how you feel this phrase is used in non-Western contexts or your media or especially in different languages where the associations, both grammatical and cultural, might be different. And I would like to thank our written contributors, Mark Ashen, Richard Para, Charlotte Graham, and Megan Carr for their submissions, as well as you, Anna, for coming on and discussing this today. Thanks so much, Kip. This was a lot of fun. 
But of course, we want this to be a conversation among, not simply a conversation between. So if you have thoughts, opinions, or input of any kind, please reach out to us. We would love to hear from you. You can connect with us via Twitter or Facebook, where if you like our page, you'll receive weekly updates when we post new episodes. You can also email us via strideandsaunter at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing to as well as reviewing the show and sharing it with a friend you think might enjoy it or get something out of it. And as always, we thank you very much for listening. And from thought to word and voice to ear, this is Kip Clark signing off.